Hey, hey. Hey, what's up, dude? Not much. Gene didn't join. Let's do the let's do the intro super quick. Sure. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Get You Some Productions podcast, episode 68, a podcast covering all things related to music production from the first note to the last fan and everything in between. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do this thing. Let's go. All right. Well, uh, that was a good intro. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, intro we create music and inspire others to do the same. My name's Keith. And my name's Dan. And oh, a lot of business. A lot of lot of business. A lot of. Episodes of our podcast are business meetings between me and Dan. Today we're going to do an in, uh, an interview with a gentleman named Gene Siegel, uh, and we're just waiting for him to join. Yes. So while we're waiting, uh, please go into the show notes and check out our. Uh, affiliate, affiliate link <laughs> for reverb.com reverb.com is an online marketplace for music gear so if you're looking for music gear and you want to help the show out you can go and click our affiliate link and we earn a small commission no additional cost to you um gene let's plug gene I guess I guess I should also say, you should, um, if you are not a member of Reverb.com, you can join using our affiliate link, and we earn a commission for that, and you don't even have to buy anything. So that's also kind of awesome for us, not necessarily for you. Uh, and also, while we're waiting for Gene, let's plug Gene. GeneSiegel.com, G-E-N-E-S-E-G-A-L.com is Gene's website. Gene is a musician, composer, producer, and uh, he's an excellent jazz guitarist with some albums out, uh, and he's also a great producer. Uh, I've heard some of the stuff that he's produced, and it sounds phenomenal. So now that's that. That is that. Yes. Um... Hey there. Hey. Hey, Hello. what's up? Hey, guys. Sorry about that. All good. How you Better doing? late than never, brother. Hello. Hey, how are you? Good, good. So, so Gene, meet Dan. Dan, Gene. Dan is, um, uh, Dan is a longtime uh, collaborator and partner with me in this um, podcast slash music production business that we're working on. Okay. Um, we played in bands for many, many years, uh, for like 20 years. Um, and Gene is a friend of a friend. Uh, and actually, Gene, before you jumped on, Dan and I were chatting. Ah. And I, gave, I gave him a little bit of the background uh, about who you were and how you and I came to get connected. Oh, cool, cool. So he, he's filled in to a certain extent. Uh, right. he, he knows that we're planning on making some kind of recording. Mm -hmm. um, however, this show, we want to make it about you. All right. Um, awesome. If that's okay. You know, we'll just, you know, ask you a bunch of questions. Yeah, of course. Of course. I'm totally open to it. Cool. So um, so uh, we, we want to know, um, like, this, is, this show is sort of like partially an interview show and partially sort of our the way we get to know people, uh -huh. <laughs> you know? So cool. can you give us just a real quick personal background? Like, you know, I, I saw, I read your bio, but, you know, give us like where you're from, like, you know. Well, I you... grew up in, uh, in Kansas. I'm originally, I'm from Russia. Yeah. You know, I think I came, I'm trying to remember what year, I think 1979. <laughs> that was the year after I was born. Ah. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. So yeah, we, we came here and uh, we wound up in, uh, you know, in Kensington, and uh, you know, I went to uh, the you know local schools there. You know, Dipman's Junior High School and uh, Midwood was my uh, was my high school. Oh, yeah. Then I, um, you know, I had the idea to go to, to LA, 
you know, I wanted to get to LA. Um, sure. So, uh, I, you know, I kind of conned my parents into sending me to the GIT, which, you know, was not, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you guys know about it, but it's a no. What's Institute. Basically it's, it's, um, one year school, you know, they have a GITs for guitar Institute and then they have a, you know, PIT for percussion and yeah. so, okay. on and so on. Oh, Dan, GIT is like, you know, anybody and everybody went to GIT. Like, um, uh, who's the most famous person that that I'm, like I pop mean, musicians? I'm pretty sure De- Jeff Buckley went to GIT. That's not, there's a lot of guys that went there, um, but it's like all the session dudes went to GIT. Okay, okay, yeah. So once I was in LA, but I wasn't really uh, you know too serious about anything back then. You know, I was just more into going to LA than mm-hmm. than anything else. But you know, while there, you know, that's where I first got exposed to like reading music and you know. You, my first introduction to actual, you know, knowledge of music rather than just, you know, playing by everything by ear. You know? do, do you know Jude Gold? I do. Yeah, because he know, does a he, podcast, right? He has a podcast, too. Yeah. OK, so right, I was right, just right. thinking GIT. podcast. It's very cool. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. It's all guitar. It's like the most nerdy, nerd out guitar podcast you can imagine. Totally. totally. Yeah. There's, a, there's another podcast I listen to with, um, oh, what, what is the name? Man, the name is slipping me, but uh, but Scott Henderson is on it. Do you know, it, he, he's on Guitar regularly? Wank. Guitar Wank. Oh, it's called Guitar Wank. Yeah. I love that. Okay. All right, I'm gonna have to check that one out. It's been going on for uh, they they got a, over like 200 episodes by now. You know, is so, Scott 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 is a regular interviewer or is he? Yeah, yeah, um, he's part of the show. He's like him. Oh. And, um, I'm I'm so bad with names, but there's another really great guitar player that uh, from LA. I know who. Yeah, I think I know who it is, and I'm, I'm he, blanking on his name too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm names are not, you know, not my, uh, my best, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'm bad with names. Anyways, but uh, the, it's a cool podcast too, and uh, also, uh, you know, you know, they, they have guests, and sometimes they just, you know, and you know, I That's gotta right. say, you know, they're pretty knowledgeable. Obviously, they're pretty knowledgeable, but they also ex- explain certain things. They go kind of deeper into it sometimes, you know, and it's, it's pretty, pretty interesting podcast. Cool. Yeah, uh, Bruce Foreman. Uh, Bruce Foreman, right? That's I it. Look up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I That's actually it. just caught. They do a video as well. They do, um, and I just caught a recent uh, clip of it where Scott was talking about. I can't remember what. Uh, oh, they do a video too. I didn't know that. I think so. Yeah, um, but doesn't matter. Yeah. Anyways, there's a, podcasts are yeah. pretty awesome these days. There's a podcast sure. on everything. That's <laughs> true. Much. That's true. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, podcasts are great for getting your chores done. If you gotta be doing something mundane, you know, you can up on your podcast. And, uh, yeah, totally. Get totally. the time and get it done. Get it yeah. done. <laughs> it's, right. a, it's a good, di- it's a discipline for sure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so you were, so you were in LA, uh, you did right. your, uh, your GIT. Yeah. And when I finished, school. I came back to New York. So, you know, I, I kind of wasn't really too serious about anything still, you know, uh, <laughs> eventually I went, uh, you know, I got, a. Accepted into a you know very great college you know luckily luckily you know they they, they took me out of uh, two, they usually take two two guitar players a year so I happened to get lucky that year and uh, you know nice. I went to William, William Patterson where I got to study with some really great you know players uh, Gene Bertoncini Vic Juris was you know recently passed away but yeah was a, was a huge part of my uh, development as a guitar player sure yeah, yeah a lot of people uh, especially local people. Uh, you know, think of like Vic Juris was like the like the grand elder, you know, and, sure. and inf- and also because he was a teacher, influential on so many local. Right, guitarists. he taught a lot of guys. He taught yeah. a lot of you know a lot of the big names today. Uh, studied with him at one point or another, you know. So you know he he he's kind of a unsung hero. So anybody listening to this podcast want to hear some really great jazz guitar? You know, Vic yeah. Juris. Vic Juris. <laughs> yeah, check him out. Incredible stuff, you know incredible player and great teacher too you know he's one of the few teachers that actually had a plan you know usually yeah. uh, pedagogy you know like a proper technique for teaching yeah you know yeah. he had he, he had a yeah yeah you know he had a method that, you, yeah. know, you know so you know not a, not a, not every teacher does that you know a lot of you know and it's also a good way to learn is just to play with people you know like with gene burton senior our lessons were like more about just playing tunes and yeah. you know getting into what how he thinks of them which is great as well you know it was a freer 
approach. Mm-hmm. But cool. Vic had specific things he wanted to teach you, you know. You know, uh, I this um this particular podcast is really more like I like to do broad, you know, and get to know you and, do, and stuff. But I think maybe one day we're going to have to go deep dive on the guitar stuff. For sure. Yeah, because that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so after college, you know, uh, I, you know, started doing, you know, gigs and local, you know, you know, even during college, I was already gigging, you know, actually back then, since COVID hit, it was more gigs then than it is now by far, you know, so, uh, you know, and I and I put out probably what, like six records of on my own uh, under the Steeplechase label and uh, oh. one on my, uh, two on my own. Well, actually one on my own and the rest are under the Steeplechase label. I've been working with them for, for quite some time. Yes, um, I um, I want to get. I, I want to talk a little bit about, actually, I guess, since you mentioned your records, uh, you know, in the, when Dan and I were chatting before you jumped on, we did uh-huh. a little intro and we plugged your website, genesegel.com, oh, awesome. right? Thank you guys. Um, yeah. So of course, and, and we'll, we'll, you know, shoot it out and we'll link it in the show notes and whatnot. Wonderful. But is there anything else before we get too deep into it? Like, is there anywhere else we can check you out in general? Like, is there a preferred social media thing or is it just the website or how do you, well, how right do you now get yourself the, out on there? YouTube, you could check out any of my records on YouTube or any of the streaming sites, you know? Okay. I got, yes. some, I got a couple of live videos up, but they're not high quality. I'm actually looking to it's one of the things that I'd like to, uh, to do in the near future is I'm uh, in the middle of a project and uh, it's, you know, I'd like to have videos, some quality video made, you know? Cool. I have some stuff with me when I toured Russia up on YouTube as well. You know. Yeah, like, I saw I saw you play uh, a meters song in Russia. Yes. Playing, yes uh, people yes. say I was like, all right, I like this guy. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Meters are one of my favorite bands, man. Nice, nice. I, I'm a huge fan. Uh, you know, and actually, uh, you know, my next project is going to be somewhat meters inspired. You know, so uh, stay stay tuned. Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. I was telling Dan because you sent me a few tracks mm-hmm. of that, like the funk, uh, like more funk, soul, blues, R&B yeah. influence stuff. Yep, yep. And definitely digging it. Cool. I'm glad yeah. you like it, man. There's yeah. a lot more coming. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, so let's go back to the beginning. Like, can you tell us the what we were like to refer to as your superhero origin story in music? Like, how'd you get into music? Oh, in the first place, or like any? Yeah. Anything you know, of note, like early memories or, you know, stuff yeah, like my that. My first exposure, I mean, I, I, I come from a musical family, you know, so uh, my father was a drummer, professional drummer back in Russia. And my, uh-huh. uncle, and my uncle was a guitar player. He passed away. But uh, and my father did, too. But uh, my uncle was passed away way, way younger. And he was like one of mm. the top, you know, session guitar players in Russia and Moscow at that time. Oh, cool. Well, you know, he stayed behind and I don't really didn't really know him because I came here when I was really young. You know, yeah. So I remember memories, but I do remember me, me going to their gigs and just like playing every instrument I could get my hands on. You know, cool. You know, if there was a piano there, I'd be on that piano making noise. But you know, but I'd be on it. You know, trying to write a song. I don't even know where. You know, like that was the first thing I did. Is it's funny when I got a guitar, the first thing I did is I wrote, wrote a wrote a song, but it was terrible. But I wrote a song. You know, that was you know. So writing is something that you know I've always done. Cool. That's great. That's great. That's just that. That's where your mind went as soon as you got on. Um, you're a, a composer, a writer. As soon as yeah, you, I, any any instrument. Like if I was in, on a piano, I would try to write a song. I don't know. You know, I had no idea what I was doing, but I would you know press some you know some some keys and hope you know hope for the best. You know. There you go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then you know I got exposed to you know obviously rock music was the thing for me that did it for me. You know. Yeah. Like you know, once I heard a. Uh, I think it was the Grammys. I, I, ACDC was on. This is like during their Back in Black album. Oh, yeah. That was and I remember just seeing Angus, and I was like, whoa. Whatever <laughs> that guy's doing, I want that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's what I want to do. <laughs> and from that moment on, I pretty much, you know, I was self-taught mostly up until a certain age, you know. Yeah. I didn't know how to read music. I didn't know how to write music. But in a way, it's kind of, it was good because I developed my ear transcribing yeah. things and figuring things out on my own, you know? I, yep. You know, I did develop some bad habits, which I had to later on, you know, undo. But uh, it, it was a good experience. And, you know, from from there on, I, it, went, it went, man, pretty much music. 
you know, life full of music. Cool. That's great. You know what? Um, I can, it's interesting. I was just watching, I haven't seen, I, I was watching some of your videos and uh -huh. right away I noticed your, uh, your physical connection, your energy, the when you're playing. Oh, and, nice. um, I was like, wow, he's really, he's really into it. He's really feeling it. Um, some cats just kind of hold a little still or a little more, I don't know. I mean, you were playing a meter song, right. <laughs> so it makes sense. Right. But I was right, like, right. okay. And um, now, you know, now I'm, I'm connecting that. Well, you I know, I was, yeah, I was a rock player before yeah. I was anything, you know. So for yeah. me, you know, I, I, the, I kind of like close my eyes and just play sometimes, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I did that when I was a kid and I try to do that now. Yeah. You know, cool. sometimes music gets complicated and you have to read music and all that. But aside from that, you know, I really try to, you know, not think about anything when I'm playing. It's, it's funny. You know, I've had people ask me that. What do you think of when you're playing? Like, hopefully nothing, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, totally. if I'm thinking about something that is that is not not really, you know, I'm not really in into what I'm doing, you know? 100%. Mm. Got to kind of tune everything out. And, you know, you learn how to do that on noisy, you know, jazz gigs and restaurants, you know, where people are talking <laughs> and, you know, and you're trying to play and you just like kind of tune everything out, man, you know, and just, you know, just play, you know. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's something you learn on gigs. <laughs> For sure. So, yeah, so so that's that's awesome. It's so it's so true that, uh, you know, it's like being a gigging musician and especially gigging jazz musician is like you're really – and in New York, probably especially, you really put through your paces. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, so to be able to do it here, you you know, you got to be pretty good. Yeah. You know, Let's... for the most for the most part, you know, uh, you know, there's all, all kinds of levels. You know, some people are learning. You know, everybody totally. had to learn at one point, man. You just don't learn it on you know in one day. You know, it's just, you got you got to go through your through your bad gigs. You know, and learn from them. You know, everybody had them. You Let's know, when uh, they're put on the spot, you know, some music that you've never played before or you got to play by ear, you know, you know. Oh, yeah. These things happen all the time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, you know, nobody's perfect. You just got to know how to minimize the damage. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So so check this out. I, I actually am um, a huge fan and connoisseur of jazz trio records, guitar trio. Wonderful. To me, I feel like guitar trio is like you know the biggest there's something sort of elemental about it where yeah. like duo and even solo is like is a different thing but trio is almost like in even more pure agreed right and so i checked out when i was checking out your music i had to go to double rainbow oh cool cool because i noticed it was a trio record <laughs> i was yes. like oh shit i gotta check this out and i actually have I think I have a public playlist that I call Trio Grand. Oh. Um, that I have all my favorite trio. Actually, not even all my favorite. I just compiled like every guitar trio record right, that right, I could right, find. Right. Um, and I loved Double Rainbow. I loved oh, listening man, thank to it. You. Yeah, it's like right up my alley. Yeah, man. The guy, you know, playing with Adam Nussbaum and Jay Anderson, man, those guys are special. You know, they, they have a connection. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. It just melt. Uh, you know, we we never played together up until that record. Is that right? I was going to ask you because I was wondering if like you played that way and then you went and made the record because it sounded. I mean, it, it's like you know, I guess jazz is that way. Like you guys are all used to just jamming together, and so you make it work. But it sounded like you know, I mean, it sounded like a band. You know, I know. I that's one of the things I think we made a connection on that record. You know, but it was a, our first meeting. You know. <laughs> it's nuts I, and we've I, never played those tunes before you know that you know so that those guys were reading those are mostly my tunes yeah and uh those guys read all that and you know the thing is you could read through it but then you also have to express on it you know that's the next level absolutely that you know, is that's the, you, know you can get through it but then can you say something on it at the same time as you're reading it so you know you know those guys are top-notch pros and you know they just nailed it man you know it was, it was super easy for me to play with them so you know, and we hope. I hope to do another one with them soon. Yeah, I hope you do too. Yeah, I think. Uh, <laughs> you know, that was Vic Juris's trio. Basically, oh. I was kind of playing the part of Vic Juris. You know, I didn't know that. That was his steady trio. That's why I hired him because I've seen him so many times. 
Yeah, and it makes sense, I guess, like you study with Vic. Exactly, so... exactly. It was, the, it was Not that I was trying to pay an homage to him, but I kind of wanted to, you know, you know, to, it was a connection because he recently passed, you know. Yeah, I know that. It yeah. was like a kind of connection between us that we were on the same label. Somehow we wound up on the same label too, you know. And Yeah. And I wanted to do something with that trio forever. I mean, you know, I've, you know that was my first trio guitar record. I mean, I've done trio re- guitar with organ. But right. it's different, different with bass, you know. Yeah, yeah. we're an organ. Trio. Oh, yeah. By by the way, when I say guitar trio, I mean bass, drums, and guitar. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah, that's the next. Yeah. yeah, I agree. That's like I think every every guitar player has to do a trio record. You know, it's kind of almost like a rite of passage. It is a different thing than anything else. You know. Yeah, yeah, and actually, it's it's cool that you mentioned that. I didn't know. First of all, I didn't know that was Vic's uh, trio. And I also, I know, I, I know of only one Victor record. Am I wrong? No, there's a few of them. That, I, maybe they're yeah. not on iTunes or Apple Music, or maybe they Pop- weren't years ago and I just didn't, or maybe I didn't look hard enough. I don't know. I think his last few, I like three or four records have been trio records for the most part. Yeah. I have yeah. to go check. I have yeah, to go check them out, check man. Them they're out. deep. Yeah. You know, they're the amazing records, man. And, you know, speaking of Vic, you know, one of the greatest players to, to walk the earth, in my opinion, you know. Sure. Yeah. And that's not just because he was my teacher, because a lot of guys feel the same way. You know, somehow he didn't get the recognition of, of John Schofield because he's from that generation, you know, maybe a little bit younger or like a John Abercrombie. You know, there's a lot yeah. of guys who got a lot of recognition. Vic was never one of those. But, you know, he was he was a hardworking guy, man. He just wanted to teach people, you know, and do it well and play great music. And, he, you know, he did just that. Yeah, I think your guitar players know Vic, yeah, Juris, but you know it's like I feel like Schofield probably you know it was the Medeski Martin and Wood stuff. That yeah, really... well, Schofield, yeah, was smart man. He was, he, he, yeah. he made some, he made oh, the right business decisions. Plus, he played in Miles's band, so that's a head start. I say <laughs> so. I say so. Yeah, you're pretty much uh, guaranteed some kind of uh, accolades down the road, you know, just for the for that, you know. So you're going to get more more press and you know people are going to take more notice of you than somebody you, who didn't, you know? You mentioned a few guitars. So I, I, listening to that record, I hear, I definitely hear, it's not a, it's not, um, it's not a pure, like, straight-ahead record, right? You're a no. more modern guitar player. So I hear those influences. I certainly hear, I hear, I hear Schofield certainly in the sound, and Abercrombie in the sound, mm-hmm. and some of the lines, like some of the legatos. Oh, those stuff. are my two favorite players ever, man, you know? That was my next question, yeah. Like, who? what about influences? And maybe not even, like, um, I, I get that they're your influence. Those two are your favorite. And I never really got into Abercrombie that much, but um, uh, Schofield certainly... Uh, and actually, the En Route record is, you know, one of my favorite. Yeah, it's an one. amazing record. I've seen that band many times. Man. Oh man, fantastic! Yeah, because because Bill, I forget the I forget the bass player, but Bill Stewart is like, who knows? I mean, he's from another planet. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a, he's, a, he's an incredible, uh, incredible drummer, man. So Schofield, Steve Swallow is the bass player. Oh right, yes. I, oh yeah, that's surprising. Yes, Swallow is like an old school dude. You know what? He was used to be an upright bass player, but he plays electric now. But his electric playing sounds like an upright player. You know, he's the only electric bass player that I I I can think of that really, when he walks the bass lines, you don't really miss the acoustic upright bass. You know, (laughs) he kind of nails the feel and the sound and everything. You know, incredible man. Yeah, is that record electric or upright? I felt like it was upright. No, that's see, that's he doesn't play upright anymore. I think oh. I'm not sure why he doesn't play upright, but he if you listen to it, he played with Paul Blay and, you know, a lot of earlier stuff. He even played on some Brazilian stuff. He was, you know, an incredible upright up, upright player, you know, and then mm. he just totally from what I, I seen an interview of him on, on YouTube. And he just said that he fell in love with the electric and he's decided that that's what he's going to do from there on. But. Okay. You see what I mean, though? You didn't even realize that it was an electric bass. <laughs> I have to listen back now. Now you have to listen back and you'll hear it, right? And he plays with a pick. Really? Wow. But he plays with one of those felt picks. Yep. So he's almost like a guitar player at times. When he, and his, his solos are incredible, man. They're like so melodic and like, you know. Yeah. You know, I'm not knocking bass solos, but, you know, they're usually not the featured part of a song, you know. When he takes a bass solo, man, it's you gotta you gotta pay attention. <laughs> yeah, 
you know, I, I feel like maybe I have to get some more records that he's played on. I, I don't really know him. Yeah, I would recommend anything he did with Paul Blay, man. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, there's, there's one in particular I'm trying. I think it's called, there's a song on there that's called Turns. And it's incredible. And it's like almost almost like the, the pre-music to like the 70s. It, it feels like to me like a lot of the guys like Matheny. Mm-hmm. And uh, Keith Jarrett, they got this kind of like almost like, you know, like 70s kind of country thing. And Paul Blay was one of the first to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's more it's like rootsy and, you know, it's like it's not, Americana, you know. It's, it's, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's got a lot of, you know, a lot of like it's almost country music at times, you know. Right. And, and Paul Blay was like one of the first cats that I've heard that was doing that. You know? Cool. So, and Steve Swallow happened to be on that record, man. Incredible. I'm not sure what the record is called, though. There's a song yeah. on there called Turns, which was I'll like, find it. blew me away, man. Yeah. So who are, name some more of your influences, favorite All musicians. Right. Doesn't, have to be, doesn't have to be jazz, but yeah. Yeah. Jim, Jim Hall. Yeah. Okay. Jim Hall uh, was, was, was a huge influence on me. Uh, you know, so lyrical and, you know, West Montgomery, of course, you know, you can't yeah. play jazz guitar and not say West Montgomery. You know, later on, I got into Charlie Christian. You know, it took me a while because, you know, really? I came from a rock. I came from a rock background. So for me, I kind of learned backwards. You know, I started with like all the fusion bands, you know. Right. When I heard Mahavishnu and I heard John McLaughlin playing like that, those crazy like pentatonic lines and like blazing through them. And I was like, you know, I was like a shred guitar player at that point. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that caught my attention. And then like the sound and everything, you know, Miles, obviously the the, the 60s stuff, you know, his uh, his fusion, Bitches Bruins, you know, Weather Report, you know, I fell in love with that stuff. And then from there, I kind of went back and I, you know, learned Charlie Parker, you know, learned about Tr- Coltrane and et cetera, you know. Mm. Cool. You know, some of my favorite musicians, Bill Evans, I mean, oh. all the greats. I mean, there's so many greats, you know. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really hard to pinpoint a few. Keith Jarrett, to me, is, you know, from space, you know. <laughs> yeah, Keith, uh, as yeah. far Keith, well, there was a point in time, you know, I mean, both Keith and Chick passed. Right. But, you know, well, Keith is still alive. I'm sorry, Keith Jarrett didn't pass away? No, he had, oh, he had some, he, he, he did had some have, issues though, right? He did have a heart attack and he can no oh. longer play, which is oh. like, which is the saddest thing ever. Yeah, because I you was know? mistaken. Because that guy, that. that guy is music, you know, I mean, like it flows through his body, you know? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I messed that up. I'm sorry, Keith. That's okay. I didn't. I didn't want to. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, accelerate you anymore. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hopefully, but yeah, yeah. Hopefully, he makes a rebound. You never know. You know, people are incredible. Hopefully, you know, because mind over matter kind of thing. You know. Yeah, those two. Those two for me were like, the, the like it's like being alive when Picasso's alive. You know, it's totally. like those two. You know, Bill Evans was also like Bill Evans might be like. He's in probably my those top are all, five. All those guys are as good as it gets, you know. Yeah, I mean, but, but that's, that's the know. way I say it. They're as good as it gets. I mean, Bill Evans yeah. is one of probably one of my favorites. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, you know, I, I mean, I, and there's many more. You know, it's, it's a hard to, you know, jazz has been around for over a hundred years now. You know, so you know, there's that's definitely, a good point. You know, it's becoming more like uh, like classical music at this point. You know, with a lot of the venues close, closing and you know. <laughs> pretty much. You'll only you know, be able to see it at Lincoln Center from from now on. That, um, you know, it's kind of heading in that direction. You know, I, I hope I hope it doesn't. Nothing wrong with Lincoln Center. I think it's awesome that it could be presented on a great stage like that. You know, yeah. but uh, not everybody could get a gig at Lincoln Center. <laughs> You're right. um, Keith um, and um, we um, we were gonna Gene. We were about to transition into actually just talking about some of your gear. Right. But um, before we do that, um, you just reminded me of, I uh, remember John Esposito. Um, oh, yeah. Talking right. about that dichotomy in, in jazz, where it's like the Lincoln Center. Um, he would always, he had a, he had a bone to pick with Wynton Marsalis. But like the whole, like, um, thing about jazz being, you know, like a classical music that's right. like not supposed to be touched and not, and not alive anymore. Right. And well, that I don't agree music. with, but yeah. I do. I do. I do think Lincoln Center is doing a good thing. You know, they're yeah. keeping it. They're keeping it in the, you know, in the audience's eyes somehow. You yeah. know, whereas you know, it's needed too. That part is needed. But yeah, right. you don't want it to become stagnant. But you know, I feel like the music is more adventurous now than ever. I really do. 
there's a lot of people doing great stuff you know agree <laughs> it's just hard to hard to uh hard to find because there's so you know with covid it killed all the performance spaces so you don't you know there's only a, a handful of clubs that you could go to but you could still go see great great music anytime you know in new york new york city is still you know great for that but you know hopefully it makes a rebound at some point live music in general you know knock on wood knock Cause on I, wood yeah because i i feel like it's not just jazz it's everything you know oh that, that's true that's true. Yeah, it's because all the venues. I mean, it's just it's just the the offshoot of COVID. You know, people not going out. They got so. used to it. That's the that's the problem. People got used to not going to see live music. For the last three years, there hasn't been any really. Yeah. So I'll I'll counterpoint that just briefly and just say that even though people don't go and it's not the same experience and I and I get that it's maybe it's not as good or it's not you know it's definitely different and maybe it isn't as good but like right now everybody's living room is a performance space. That's you know? the new. That's the new direction, and we have to kind of embrace it, or we're gonna just die off. Right. Yeah. You I know, agree got, with that. But what we have to find is a way to monetize that. You know. Ah, there's there it is. There yeah. it is. Because artists deserve to be able to um to support themselves. I mean, the world needs artists. This is why yeah. I don't post gigs gig gig shots anymore. I stopped doing that a few okay. years ago because you know what? I mean, if you want to come. Come to the show, <laughs> you know. The show. You know that's why I don't have any recent videos. You know. Okay. You do How need some. You do need some. But and I was kind of fighting it, but I'm 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 trying to find a way how 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 musicians can monetize it, and I'm I'm still not sure. You know. Well, yeah, yeah I, I can actually tell you, and and this is something that I've been exploring a lot. But there's you need a couple of different ways. <clears throat> Number one, you need to always like uh you you need to have like a lesson based thing. Right. Right. Like you can set up your online lessons or whatever, or like do a video on how to yes. make your song. Right. Um, and you also need to have a donation link, right? Cause every platform said, um, and this is something Dan and I, you know, have discussed in the past, but we mm. haven't set it up yet, but, and, and what I do is not for everyone, but I put every, I told you this, I put every second of practice and performance. Out yeah, I've on noticed the that. Yeah, yeah. Listen, man, it's brave, man. So brave of you. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm nothing if not brave, right? I, yeah, it's yeah not that's the, great. My performances are not great, but, and, and Wait, I always yeah, plug, you know, I plug the podcast and I plug my lesson website, right? Yep. Um, you know, but who am I? I'm no, I'm just some schmo from Brooklyn, like everyone else, right? Well, Nobody. So everybody's a schmo from somewhere, you know. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and you're and you're a hundred times the guitarist I am. So it's like, you know, there's no reason why you couldn't make a lesson about one of your tunes, right? Charge totally true. Five bucks, ten bucks, a hundred bucks, whatever the case may be. You get a lead sheet. You get a bunch of etudes done, right? Right. And then every time you perform it, boom. Somebody might, you might get someone to click through, right? right? And you study with Vic Juris, like that's not, you know, guitar players recognize that, you know? Sure. Yeah. So anyway. No, there's definitely a way. You know? It can be done. It can, it be, can definitely be done. Can be done. But it, it's always through some kind of teaching thing. Well, oh, and, and plus you can also give people, out yeah, there. I meant to say, you can give people the opportunity to just donate. Like right. you can have a link where somebody can just pay a buck, 50 cents, whatever the case may be. And people do, I'm, I'm told. That's uh, interesting. You know, I've for, never tried it. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. I've never tried it. But yeah, uh, people, people make, some people make a living doing that. I Just, know people, people, yeah. people who have funded pro projects through it, you know. Right. You know, they've funded full, full albums. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's a lot. You got to be involved in social media. I mean, you have to be pretty much on every platform plug in. Right. Yeah, it's true, it's, and and it is a challenge. Look, not it's every, a full time it, job doing yeah, that. You know, not every artist practice. wants to be. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Or yeah, I, true. Or, or, That's or right. Record something, you know. <laughs> and not everyone wants to teach. You know what I mean? Like exactly. we were discussing. That is. I mean, I've, that I've is taught for years. Part. I've taught yeah. for years. I still teach. You know, uh, and I, you know, it's it's a necessary uh, part of the gig. You know, sure, if you sure. want if you want to pay some bills, you know. Sure. And I do like <laughs> teaching. I don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking. Yeah. But, you know, at a certain time, you could actually make a living just playing. That's what we're talking about. That's and I remember those are. days, you know, yeah. that's, I remember those days, you know, I had wedding weddings, you know, paid pretty decently back then. And, you know, you had two or three of them a week. You know, you could make make a really good living and at least in the summer, you know. Yep. Just doing yeah. that.
you didn't need to teach, but I always taught. I and I do enjoy it, you know, because it's not nothing like having students who are, you know, learning and progressing. It makes you feel great, you know. Mm-hmm. The key is to be able to pick the students, and not right, just right. pick every student. Right, right. Because you know, you the, once you start thinking of every student as as a dollar bill, you kind of lose the the love of teaching. That's true. I can see that. You know, you you want students who want to be there. You don't want to babysit for, you know, for an hour and try to get through something when the students doesn't want to be there. Parents are forcing them to take lessons or, you know, they're not really keeping up on their work. You know, it yeah. gets to be a little draining. So the, the key to keep to keep loving teaching is to have good students, you know, who want. You know, I, I often turn down. You know, I tell, you know, if the they parents bring a young kid to me and I, I do a lesson, I do three lessons with them and four lessons and I don't see them practicing or making any progress. I'm, you know, I tell them, you know, maybe I'm not the right teacher. You know, maybe you should maybe you should find somebody who's, uh, you know, who has the patience for that, you know, to be I, I, I try to be honest. I, I'm not saying that their kid can't do it. It's just maybe I'm not the right I'm not inspiring them. Yeah, every well, every. Yeah, exactly right. Because every because t- you're you're at a certain level and you have a certain interest, right? And so you want to be like in front of you. You want to be talking to people who are really into it, right? right. That's I mean, definitely. And they could yeah. be complete beginners, but if they're into it and they're like inspired and they want to learn, then I'm doing the right thing with them. By the right. you know, I, if I if I'm just taking their money, I don't feel good about it. There you go. It's more of a payoff than just the money. The payoff yeah, you is know, also. It's, yeah. it's like I don't feel good about it. I don't feel like I'm doing a good job, and yeah. I feel like I'm letting actually letting the student down. So maybe somebody, some some other teacher could find what inspires them. It mm-hmm. could be teaching them a three chord song. You know, it could be anything. But maybe I'm not. I'm just not hitting the spot for them. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. So that's that to me. I, when I started getting more picky, I started enjoying teaching a lot more. That's good advice. That's you know what? That's really good advice for um for especially now what we're talking about COVID times and teaching is being a, a good way to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really good advice for teachers if they have the ability to you know pick your students so it can be rewarding beyond just trying to make dollars. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly, exactly. And yeah. you know, I remember my first serious lesson. I studied with a with a with a guy who passed away who was an incredible guitar player, but very unknown. Uh, his name is Alex Adrian. He came from Czechoslovakia, I think. Mm-hmm. And he was teaching out in Queens. When I first started getting into jazz, around the age of like 19 or 20, you know, he was my first serious teacher. Mm-hmm. And I had this misconception about the music. I, I had no clue, you know. So I, one, one day he tried to show me some kind of transcription of a, of a solo. And it was like, it happened to be like a, you know, like, a, like almost like a, like a, like a pop jazz thing mm-hmm. which i hated and i i was like oh i don't really want to learn this and he was like you know well maybe you should find another teacher because you know i feel like my i'm trying to guide you in a certain direction and this this solo that you're going to learn has some something in it that you should know and i was like well you know i think you're probably right you know maybe i will trust you since you're such a great player right. <laughs> <laughs> just learn it you know and not, not be an asshole <laughs> And that's my like question. It you know. That's incredible for a teenager to say something like that. <laughs> right. So, you know, that stuck with me though. Okay. Yeah. You know that stuck with me as a teacher. You know, to say you know, yeah, you know, my job is not to entertain you. My job is to teach you. If I feel like this should be in the direction you should go, let's. Why don't we give it a try? You know. Love it. If then you don't like it, we could talk about it. Mm. That's good advice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, you know. Just, just I guess for people who are starting out teaching, you know, something to think about. Yeah, it's really easy to get caught up in the money, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I'm tr- I'm trying to segue to the next question I had, but sure. um, here we go. I'm gonna try, and it's gonna be a clunky segue. Money, right. money helps you buy things, correct? <laughs> things like equipment and gear. And yes. Keith and I are love nerding out about this, so we wanted to talk about your oh, beautiful. Oh man, I'm all, I'm all in, man. I'm into. Um, I did notice your this beautiful blonde uh, hollow body that I see in a bunch of your pictures. So, yes, I got it. What, what are you playing now? That's a three thirty four. I play a couple of guitars. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, I'm one of those guys. I like to play different guitars all the time. Sure. I don't mm-hmm. really stick with one. Some people just prefer one guitar, and it's cool. I like to think of them as like colors, you know. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. 
I have a bunch of really different guitars. Right. Yeah. I have a 335, which is uh, the one you've seen me with mostly. Uh, yeah. That's my. I'm going to say that's probably my favorite. You know, that's my go-to. Uh, you know, it's a semi-hollow. And it and it works well because, you know, you could, it's super versatile. Yeah, sure. 335s are amazing. Yeah, you can play any style of music on a 335. Mm-hmm. Literally. You know, you, you could go from metal to, like, you know, to jazz, you know. So yeah, it, uh, Dave Grohl plays a, essentially a three thirty five. That's a three thirty five. In yeah, right. it's um, actually three thirty five based. I forget. What, it, it's it's a the li- Lopez. It's the Lopez. Trini Lopez. Oh, he plays wow. the Trini Lopez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he has. I mean, I don't know if it, how different from a three thirty five it is, but the only thing that sticks out is the f holes. Right. Yeah, it's or, not that different. It yeah. just looks a little different. Yeah. You know, I I I played Trini Lopez's before, and they feel pretty much like a three thirty five, and it every, and it sounds like a three thirty five. Every guitar player needs a three thirty five. <laughs> yeah, it's a, <laughs> if you can afford one. <laughs> yeah, I you know what I I I don't I can't afford a genuine. I mean, I, I technically I can't afford a genuine three thirty five, but I don't need one because I have a Yamaha SA twenty one hundred. Those are excellent guitars. They're I've phenomenal, yeah. and they're like half the price. They are half of the a three thirty five. Yeah, there's a there's a you know. I kind of traded for this guitar. You know, I, I've been uh, on the this, this thing called the gear page for many, many years, for maybe mm-hmm. 20 years. And it's a community of gearheads, basically, guitar guitar nerds, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know pedals, and guitars. And they, you know, these are people you could trust and you could trade. I, you know, guitars, you send them your guitar, they send them, you know, so I traded for that guitar. I traded a Collings Les Paul copy. Oh, oh I wow. love calling. Yeah, wow. so it was a oh great guitar. So, but I, I really, you know, the neck wasn't right for me. Okay. Because I like the big 50s necks on the Gibsons. You know, there's the 50s and the 60s. So the Collings was more like a 60s. It was a thinner neck. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and I I love the guitar, but I, I really wanted a 335 at that point because I had one at one time and I sold it. I had mm-hmm. a 72. It was weighed like a... 15 pounds you know the, the gibson 70s models were really heavy yeah you know but I, I i sold it and i kind of wanted i missed it you know so i so i and i picked up this guitar and yeah it's been with me ever since you know it's, it's mm-hmm. my, main, my main axe uh also play a les paul you know i have a nice uh reissue 58 reissue with the big fat necks well what so you like those i i actually prefer the 60s necks Right, it's but, different, yeah. This, yeah. I can't say one is better than the other, but you know, it's something about the big fat fifties next. They they tend to stay in tune better. Is that mm-hmm. true? Yeah, interesting. Because I had a sixties three thirty five style neck when you bought it. I was talking about the seventy two I had. It had a sixty style neck, so that guitar went out of tune all the time. Huh. And I had the same tuners I have them. I have the Grover tuners in that one, and I have the Grover tuners in, in the one I have now, and the stability is not even comparable, you know? So, huh. and same thing for the Les Paul, you know? I had a Le- I had a Les Paul with a 60s neck, and it didn't stay in tune as well as the one. You know what? That makes sense, because wood is, like, you know, living material. Stability. Living and breathing, and it's just like, if it's thinner, it's going to be moving around more. And, exactly. And changing with the environment. That's why uh, I still haven't gotten an SG. Uh, they, they, they got the really thin necks and they stay in tune good. Yeah. yeah, they're thin top to bottom. Yeah, right. And same yeah. thing with the Firebirds. Mm-hmm. So I have a Les Paul, and then I have a a, a Fender a Fender Teleca, Telecaster, you know, which is my yeah. one of my favorites too. That's another incredible guitar. I mean, Leo nailed it on the first electric guitar. It's crazy. It's isn't it crazy? And he used to be a guitar player, right? You and know, the thing but... is, it's still. <laughs> You know, it's still thriving. It's amazing Think about that. It came out in the in the, in the I think late fifties or early sixties. I can't late, remember. No, no, not even late fifties. Early fifties. Early no, 50s. I'm sorry. Late forties. Right, the broadcaster maybe. was fifty. I feel like it was fifty one or two. Or yeah, fifty one or two. Yeah, that's what exactly. So, and it hasn't changed. It's yeah. Just, when you get it right, you know, I just he uh, caught lightning in a bottle, and that's that. Yeah, so yeah. I think Telecaster is one of the greatest guitars. It's actually really great for jazz. Sure. Uh, who plays a Telecaster and jazz? Um, what's his name? Ed, uh, Ed Bickert. If you Ed have Bickert. Ed Bickert. And of course, Bill Frisell. Bill Frisell. Bill Frisell, yeah. yeah. He play, he's yeah. been playing tellies for years. You know. I'm, yeah, and I'm thinking of it. Who's a young guy? I'm blanking oh, out on his name. Out. Julian oh. Lodge. Julian yes, Lodge. Julian Lodge. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. Sounds, that guy sounds good on anything, man. <laughs> well, true. <laughs> yeah, but, but there's... He, 
there's something about Telecasters that, it, well, I don't know about all Telecasters, but the one that Julian plays is so pure. The sound is so pure. It's almost like a piano. You know why? Because it's the overtones from the bridge. Because mm-hmm. it has the steel plate. Mm-hmm. Oh. You get some overtones on the telly that you don't get on other guitars. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's what really does it. And it's, if you roll the tone back a little bit, it's perfect for jazz because it almost sounds like a hollow body because of the mm-hmm. overtones. You're getting these overtones from the from the steel bridge that's connected directly to the body. So you're getting a lot of ring there. But if you take sure. the tone down, you get a beautiful jazz tone and you get these this chiminess to it, you know? Interesting. Yeah, it's like oh, this, is, this is great. This is great. I'm loving this conversation right now. I've spent, <laughs> I've spent perhaps a little too much time on YouTube just looking at like, does do tone woods make a difference or not? And, I've you seen know, that but... video. I've seen those videos. <laughs> They're pretty incredible. And actually, they don't. I, you know, in my opinion, it's pretty well, amazing. I I think the video. Well, if you're talking about the video, the the famous video where the guy just puts some strings on a workbench and there's yeah. no body at all. Yeah. Yeah, but but he's using a high output pickup. Right, it's the pickup. Yeah, for sure. And a high output pickup is going to really like compress a lot, right? Totally. And take away so much of the sound because I've seen videos where they take single coils and they have identical everything identical. Um, neck, uh, all the hardware and yep. all the and all the um and all the electronics are the same, and they just swap out three different body woods, and there is a big difference. You think so? Yeah, I I think it's possible. I think the pickup. I don't know. I well, yeah, I think the pickup. I think there's a, a difference. difference. I don't know if it's huge. Maybe your ears are in tune with it. No, you were hearing. Well, if I can find the video that I saw, and you know, who knows? Maybe it's doctored. you know the, the I don't thing know. about YouTube. It's because it compresses everything. He's gonna say that, yeah. It's really hard. You would, I would have to be in the room to be a hundred percent sure. You know, and like, like trying to hear like reviews of pedals like on YouTube. I'm like, I'm sorry, these these overdrives all sound the same on yeah. YouTube with the compression. But I was gonna say, like wood tone woods, for me, we're talking about acoustic instruments. Right. Like when you play an acoustic, you know, this one's solid mahogany. Now, you know, like a 335 or a 175. I also have a 175, a 59 reissue. That's oh, like yeah. more like a jazz, full full on jazz guitar. Yeah. You know, I'd like you have to, a one pickup or two pickup model. Right? I have a two pickup model. Yeah. I wish I had the one pickup model because <laughs> I never yeah. use the second pickup, man, on, a, on that guitar. You know, I like the bridge pickup, but I don't yeah. use it on that guitar. Just Probably nobody one. does. Yeah. Country guys do. Okay. You know, country country players use the bridge pick. I've seen uh, I've seen Chet Chet Atkins, not Chet Atkins. Sure, yeah, man, another one of those famous co- country players. You know, playing a one seventy five, and they use the, the bridge the bridge pick. It sounds great, you know. Yeah, but um, yeah, you know, tone wood, debatable, man. I don't know. Pickups are a huge thing, though. I agree. Pickups are probably the most important thing on the guitar. Yeah, and, and the tension between the the bridge and the neck. Those two things are, you know, because, you know, a Fender sounds different because of the scale length than a Gibson. Right. Yeah. It sounds different to it me. Absolutely it absolutely does. Yeah. It really oh, absolutely. A different one. So that I could hear. And I think the neck material makes a difference because rosewood necks versus maple necks, huge difference. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. I, I just think like, and, and I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll say that I'm, I'm firmly in the camp that wood does make a difference in oh, even, a, even an electric guitar. No, even, I agree. It even in a difference. solid body, but it, it depends so heavily on the actual pickups. Right. Because if you have pickups that are really hot, then they're not, um, they're not letting any of that uh, they're not letting this sound well and actually i shouldn't just say just hot pickups that's why i i only like underwound humbuckers man yeah so certain types of just the type of pickup doesn't let that sound come through yeah certain for sure. pickups do let the sound the, the wood come through they because hot pickups yeah tend to tend to uh just compress everything yeah like a hot a super hot pickup is going to sound the same in every guitar whereas if you take like an underwound humbucker or if you take like a, a, a real sensitive single coil, like a, a, a practically microphonic single coil. Right. You're going to get, you're going to get a different sound out of a different, out of Definitely. different woods. Definitely. In that, in that circumstance. That's what no, I, I think, can see that. Yeah. No, I, I think they do affect it to a certain point. I don't think it's a huge effect. Obviously, if you got like a really high output humbucker, 
you're not going to hear the wood. And if you got a low wound single coil, you know, you're going to hear more of the wood. Yeah. You know, it's just the, that's what those pickups do. Oh, we're going to have to have you back on just to geek out on gear. I see this now. I, <laughs> yeah. The whole sidebar. <laughs> and I'm glad, like gear. You know, I, I love gear, man. That's so funny. It wasn't even on our original uh, uh, list of questions, but I was just like, I just like, oh, we got to throw that in there. And uh, I guess I, I struck gold with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we didn't even talk about amps or pedals. Right. Yeah, we didn't so, even get to... <laughs> that's great. And um, you know, we have a we have a, a friend of ours who is building his own amps and he's like a mad scientist genius. Right. Tube amps. And um, you know, maybe maybe if you're interested, we'd love to yeah. get your input or have you like describe some amps. Um, you know, I you have know, some amps that I, I'm a, I have some amps too that I'm a fan of. You know, uh, I'm a big tube guy. You know. Oh God, yes. I, I mean, I think that all the Kempers and stuff, uh, you know, and all the uh, UA just came out with a with a amp simulation sounds really great. You know, pedal. It's a pedal. Uh, it's a it's supposed to be like a, they have a Fender one, a Marshall one, and a what Fox is U, what is UA? Uh, Universal Audio. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've heard. I think I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's killer, man. A friend of mine, uh, the great guitar player Sandro Albert, uh, has one, and uh, I went to check it out. I was blown away by it. But yeah. you know, I'm still an amp guy. You know, I I don't think there's anything better. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like uh, it could be doing... close, and it could be good. It could be really good and useful for traveling. You know, you, yep. you can take a pedal and have your rig, basically. You know, but uh, you know. You can't beat a good old amp with a good mic in front of it. <laughs> Amen. A nice ribbon mic, and you're you're good. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's one of the things in terms of recording that I think that people miss out on. And I feel like this. I feel like maybe we had this conversation somewhere on this show. Maybe I, I I'm, I'm having deja vu, but uh-huh. um, it, the whole thing was that. Yeah, yes and and plus with the um the the what's it called the speaker emulation right, right. They, they do they've gone a long way to make it sound really way. good and feel like you would right feels like a real it amp feels yeah. like an amp too when you're playing especially if you're playing through monitors definitely into headphones um but on the one hand on the other hand there is something like the problem, the, I'm not going to say the problem is, but I would say, in my opinion, a shortfall of that approach is that if you have that same emulation plus the same speaker response or whatever the case may be, your your album is going to sound the same as everybody else who has that's that That's my same thing. thing with it. Exactly. Right. That's exactly so, my thing with it because it's right. like everybody's starting to sound the same. Like when I hear, you know, because my, you know, my, my wife listens to like pop radio, whatever, you know, and my son likes it too. You know, it's not not exactly my cup of tea, but I, you know, I I'm in the car, we're driving, and we're listening to it, and mm-hmm. every guitar sounds the same. Yep. yep, I know they're recording with with a Kemper. You know, yeah, it yeah, you, it just sounds exactly like the other guy. Right, there's no individuality. Like you know, there's no Jimmy Page. Yeah. So at least if you at least if you have an amp, even if you have the same amp as someone else, it's never. And sound even the if same, it's right? the same settings, right? And even if it's the same microphone. And the same placement, even as, lo- as long as you get a different room, like every little factor is going to make a slight even difference. Even recording in, that in sound. the same room two days in a row, it's hard to get the exact <laughs> Maybe same you're sound. Right. With yeah. the same exact gear. Right. If, right. I don't know if you ever try to match it exactly. It's almost impossible. I don't, I've never tried to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's that. That's that's the beauty of it. It's that it's it's not going to be the same the next day. You know, it's not going to be every speaker reacts a little different. It could be a little humid that day. Right. It's organic. You know? That's that's the nature of of things that are organic and living and that have a soul. Exactly. It's unpredictable. You know? it's unpredictable. And, and that's that's part of the magic. Part of the magic. Yeah, and it's part of the things that could go wrong. You know, I had amps break down on me, man, I'm in the middle of gigs. Luckily, I knew what to do and I was able to get through it. But yeah, know, in case anybody wants to you know, uh, some good advice. If you mm. have an amp with a effects loop, you could go into the effects loop and bypass the whole preamp section and just use the power amp section of it. Mm. So if your amp ever blows like a tube or something like that, okay, try going into the send and you're bypassing the whole circuit except for the output. Oh, oh you so just go right into the power amp. 
basically you just a clean sound yeah. right through the power ramp. Oh wow. That's, that's a good, good, that's a good call. My... Yeah, you learned in the field. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. these things make a difference, man. I was literally on a gig and it happened to me. And, you know, the guy that I was playing with, he was like, he was shocked that I knew how to do that. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Because yeah, I like gear. Yeah. There you <laughs> yeah. go. You know, this is shit you learn. <laughs> you know? yeah, finally, my nerdiness has paid off. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> oh man, uh, Gene, this is um, this is amazing. We're rolling up on an hour, so right. um, I want to just skip over a few questions and sure, skip the last one that Keith had, which is a great way to wrap up. Which is just your plans for the future, and you know, what okay. are you, what are you doing now, and what should we keep our eyes peeled for? Well, you know, I, I am getting into heavily into uh, recording and producing, you know, mm -hmm. uh, something that I picked up during the pandemic and I've had some really good results and I'd like to do it for myself and other people, you know, so that's a new, a new uh, approach that or a new facet that I would like to add to my already whatever I'm doing besides playing, you know, and uh, I'm looking to produce a, a record with vocals. Okay. So that's something I, I have never done. Okay. All my, all my records, my solo records have been instrument, instrumentals. I've played in rock bands earlier in my life, and I still do it. You know, I play in wedding bands. So I play pop music and whatever kind of music. And I'd like to bring out a different aspect of, you know, some, something that I don't think I ever got a chance to do. So it's something new for me. And it's it's been uh, pretty inspiring. G that's you're, not, you're not going pop, are you? No. <laughs> Definitely not pop, but I'm I am just, going like I'm just ooh. messing. With yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I. I mean, I could go pop. I mean, I could write ten pop songs in a day if 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 somebody was paying me to do it. <laughs> there you go. Hey, there you go. So uh, the best way to if if someone's interested in hitting you up, yeah, your website, right? Yeah, Gene just uh, message me know. on my website, yeah, GeneSiegel.com. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, well, we, we will include a link, of course. Awesome. I appreciate that, guys. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, yeah, really, this has been a great conversation. I feel like we probably could have talked for like four hours. For sure. So, you know, <laughs> let's let, we'll have you back. Uh, and actually, we can revisit the equipment. Yeah, because I, I mean, I could go on about that stuff for <laughs> four oh, yeah. hours alone. You know? Oh, we'll take you up on that. We'll take you up on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I like to geek out. <laughs> yeah, we could do we could do a show in a couple of months or something. Just do an all gear show. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. All right, we'll make a plan. So, and actually, so, but you know, if that happens, we'll, we'll keep, we'll put it on the schedule and, you know, hopefully we'll make that happen. Um, but also, also didn't want to let you go without making sure that when you get your other record done, mm -hmm. hit us with that as well. Oh, for sure. And then you can come on the show and talk about that and promote That'd be that. great. That'd yeah. Be that, great. that would be awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, it's definitely in progress. And uh, yeah. I don't think I'm too far, far off. Yeah, I heard a few. I mean, like I said, I told Dan earlier, I heard a few tracks and they sounded great. So thank you. I appreciate looking, that. Looking I'm, forward I'm, to hearing it. I'm super excited about it because you know what? I've never done one with vocals and it's something that I, I miss. You know, so I'd like to. Uh, yeah. You know, try try a new approach. Definitely. Not that I'm forgetting my old approach. You know, it's good. It's good to do different things all the time. That's your goal. You're an artist. artist. Yeah. You, know, you got to try something new and see where it goes. Exactly. Exactly. Well, pleasure chatting with you. Awesome, Gene. Awesome meeting you. And best Likewise. of luck. Talk soon. All right. Yeah, man. All right. Take care, guys. Bye. Yep. Talk soon. So I actually haven't heard back from him yet today. So hopefully he didn't totally space on this. Yeah. Or he doesn't think that's at 1130 p.m. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess if he's like a, a jazz guy, then 1130 p.m. would be quite reasonable. <clears throat> so like I said, I'm looking at our chat stream. We haven't heard from him yesterday. So let's keep our fingers crossed. You know, though, why don't I give you a little background, too, real quick? Because uh -huh. here's how I hooked up with Gene. He's a friend of a friend, a high school friend of mine. And he was offering to make a, a free, he's, he's a longtime jazz musician and music producer, but he's, uh, and he's produced a lot of music, but he hasn't 
really launched his music production business uh, sort of officially. Okay. So to get his business, um, to launch his music production business, his studio, he offered to a bunch of people that he would produce one track for free. And my, my friend who is friends with him tagged me in a Facebook post and said, Hey, you might want to take up, uh, take my friend up on his offer. So Gene and I had a conversation on the podcast. Uh, well, we had a conversation and he said it was okay to, to let, to, um, put it out as a show. Okay. So episode 66 is actually an initial conversation with Gene about something he might produce. Um, we didn't come to a final conclusion or anything, but well, I'd uh, love to hear what were your thoughts on like uh, you know which material you would like to do if you had the opportunity. Well, yeah, he's he's um he's got a studio, and as I understand it, his studio is um I and we may get a clarification on this, but it's not really set up for tracking like a live band. Okay. So, um, or, or it's not ready made for that. <clears throat> I'm not really a hundred percent sure, uh, what he's set up for. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said, you know, he, we could pretty much do anything I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, w- and he programs beats. Hmm. So, dope. so I was thinking, you know, maybe just doing like, just releasing some tracks um, that for song we haven't recorded yet. Okay. Um, just as singles. Okay. And just go one at a time. Um, he said he would do one for free. So uh-huh. that's great. We'll get it rolling and we okay. can just do one. You know, I have some songs that are written that, um, that haven't been recorded. So uh, that was sort of the, the, the initial idea. Okay. Um, All right. But, um, but I yeah. hadn't thought it through any further than that. Oh, actually. you know, when you said he did, he had like a, a master, I, I was imagining like a mastering studio, you know, where he, he does production of like existing recordings uh, and, oh. pro- and programming. I, like I said, clarification coming. So uh, the first thing that popped in my head was um, like remixing an existing produced track we had because all the, all the, uh, all the tracks are laid down already. Um, so like uh, Manhattan, for instance, it just like screams out for like remix possibilities or editing and uh, reproduction, you know? Uh, yeah. Like that song was like so dope, but it's like, it still go up a whole two or three more levels. Right. And possibility. Yeah. It was something, and like, oh, and we could just work with them without spending time like, not that recording isn't fun, but it's its whole other ball of wax, just like laying tracks and and all that. Um, but but you you know you're a songwriter, so like you probably have new material you want to get out there too, you know. So uh, you know, I was just floating that out there. Um, yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, that's all true. Yeah, yeah. I I did kind of want to do. Uh... I do want to do remixes. I'm not so sure he's kind of the remix guy. Uh-huh. Um, he's um, he's definitely a jazz musician. Gotcha. Uh, but like I said, the, and I've heard a couple of his um, recordings in a jazz context. Yeah. And then he sent me some tracks that he's producing for his sort of funk, blues, rock sort of thing. Yeah. Which sounded sick. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's live band. Gotcha. So, uh, you know. Well, I just wasn't sure. Um, you know what? Now that you say that, one of the, uh, I went on to, I was doing my research on his stuff, and I found a recording of him uh, playing in Russia, playing uh, Meter's song. Oh. I was like, oh, I love this guy. He's, uh, he's playing uh, People Say uh, oh. by the Meters. It was really dope. I didn't see that one i saw a couple of other tracks yeah i just kept scrolling and scrolling but um yeah it was like people say that's that's uh, the meters i love that i love this guy already yeah yeah 
Uh, you know what I was doing? I was scrolling through. Um, I wasn't watching all the videos. I was trying to figure out what he was playing, like which guitars. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can see he's playing this uh, this blonde hollow body a lot now. So I want to talk to him about that. It's um, it's uh, it's like a three thirty five style, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, um, maybe I should call him. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think he's spaced out. I think he's MIA right now, mm. um, because because yeah. <laughs> I heard from him today, and you sent a bunch of text over the last hour or so. So, do you want to give him a call? Yes, I'm gonna try him. So let, I'm gonna cancel. Well, we <laughs> there we go, and just add to it. So I'll 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 uh, I'll hit you back. All right, later.